want to give a shout out to Stand Up Fight Back. Uh, he's located on Instagram and a lot of different other social media platforms. Um, it's working class streetwear. So if you're looking for really cool designs to push the limits against society, definitely check them out and hit them up ASAP. They have really good prices and some really badass designs. So go check them out. Stand up, fight back. Working class streetwear. So, okay, hey everybody, welcome back to the Hold Your Ground podcast. This is episode eight. I'm Phil, and my guest today is Scalp. And we're just actually talking about soccer or uh, football for the European listeners. Um, so, 1860 from Munich is playing against what? Against Ingolstadt? Yes. And I think they just won. It was one to zero, and it just stopped like literally right before we put on this podcast episode. So, it was pretty badass, and it's still fresh. So, we're all supportive of. The whole team you know yeah it's funny actually because when we started writing like you mentioned 1860 that like i don't know how we came up with this 1860 i think we were just chatting about it you were i had said that my uh roommate was from germany yeah yeah exactly you were asking about it and then i was also like yeah one of our buddies had actually moved from here in portland out there and uh, he's like part of the supporters group for 1860. And it just kind of, I think that's how we were starting to talk about it. Yeah, I think you just, yeah, you just wrote 1860 and was like, wait, 1860, like the, the Munich soccer team? So, yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> like, what does American dude talk about? <laughs> <laughs> that's funny, man. That's funny. Yeah, I actually, um, I think, I forgot where it's at. Um, my roommate, she told me that she's from Chemnitz. Oh, okay. Yeah, so that's Eastern. Eastern Germany? Yeah, that's where she's from. Oh, it's funny. So, uh, what? Yeah, it's real. But, uh, so, but she will live in the States or she will fly back again or what? No, she lives here. She changed everything and got it situated. It's pretty cool. Oh. I had uh, came across her just from playing shows and stuff, you know, and um, when I had had all my stuff kind of going crazy in California where I lived prior to here, um, her and her boyfriend like stepped in my life and did what was necessary. They came down and helped me move up here to Portland and it was just really cool. Um, and we were best friends. Like she's like my sister, you know, and it's really cool to like meet somebody that's willing to like jump into your life and like show yeah. you that they're there for you a hundred percent, you know? Oh, nice. Oh, so you're originally yeah. from, from California? Yeah. Oh, okay. So how do you, how do you met you and your, your roommate? Uh, just from playing shows and stuff. Um, and I, we're a part of the AMS crew. Um, she's one of the newer members that we actually took on. That's one thing that I really like about, um, the skinhead crew that I'm a part of American sharp. Um, we have, I'm pretty sure the only crew in the States that allows women um, transgender, anybody from the LGBTQA community, um, welcome into our family, you know, and it's really solid. So that we also met from that. Um, oh, okay. 
and it's just been she's like the best friend that i've always needed you know and it's just pretty cool yeah hey those friends are like yeah they're uh precious how do you say yeah that's cool just important to have those kind of friends i mean they're like yeah important yeah it's pretty trippy it just kind of happened and they i remember the day that i told them that everything kind of went downhill for me in california and um she had told me she was like hey you got to be at the airport around like noon and i was like for what she's like me and my boyfriend were gonna come down and like help you drive up here and move all your stuff i was like what so it was really yeah. cool they just stepped like, absolutely yeah did priceless that's that's what yeah. i was looking for friends like this oh, okay. they're, yeah. they're priceless hell yeah man so maybe um yeah just maybe you want to tell me a little bit about yourself like where you're from and uh how did you end up in in oregon or why just all the way from california or who are you and i don't know what you've been up to yeah that's cool man um i was born in san jose um and i lived there in the bay area in the southern parts and more of the eastern part of the bay area in california um until i was about nine or ten and then we moved from the bay area to sacramento my mom and i my parents split up um just whatever for whatever reasons that they felt necessary you know i think they were just a lot alike so that kind of made it a really hard for them to kind of connect on a real level i'm sure but um so we i moved to sacramento with my mom and then my dad stayed in newark in the bay area and we tried like go camping. That's where I got into dirt bike riding with my dad. So when I was younger, we would play sports and stuff. because we were all like really close to the parks and everything where they had the uh, inner city leagues and stuff like that for the youth. And then I got into dirt bike riding once we kind of like branched out my mom and I moved. So that was something that was kind of cool to like get that whole world. It was really fun. I was actually pretty decent at it and raced later on in my teen years semi-professionally so that was pretty cool oh wow um and it was right around that time that uh we had moved from sacramento to manteca my parents had talked about like getting back together and like starting that whole world back up um and they were wanting to work together on it so it was around that time that i started going to shows and we lived in manteca for like six years and so that was where everything kind of started for me like with music and everything and jumping into the subculture um and i was hanging out with a bunch of punks and there was a couple bald people there and it was kind of like really random at times where we would see people and at the time like i was really young and i knew how intense the world was with a lot of negative things with like racism and just any type and form of hate you know yeah and a couple of times we got into scuffles and I was kind of like on the outskirts because I was like 14, 13 years old, somewhere around there and just kept hanging around with them, you know, and going to shows. I really liked the friends that I had at the time. And um, that's where I kind of got my introductory to music and stuff. It was more a mix between a couple of the people that I hung out with, like metal and a couple of people like punk and hardcore. Yeah. Um, so it was pretty cool. But then um, we had moved from, Manteca to Lake Comanche, which is like in the foothills, um, 
like right before you get to the mountains and everything in the Sierras over in California. And that was a huge culture shock, like going from a metropolitan area, a huge town to okay. uh, going into the countryside pretty much, you know, and like having yeah. nothing. The nearest store was like an hour and a half away. Oh, no. <laughs> so it was pretty, that was pretty crazy. My high school that I graduated from, I think my graduating class had like 40 people in it. Oh, and that was a, that was a trip. <laughs> so, um, how's, how was the, well, how was the subculture out there in the, well, on the countryside? I mean, you on grew the up, with, it was yeah. I mean, you What's grew that? up with, you grew up with, uh, with, like you said, with all the, the punk and hardcore people and suddenly you go out on the countryside and I don't, do you still had some, um, found some people that you can, could connect with or. Yeah, yeah, it was pretty cool. There's um, over in Sonora, so Comanche, and then Sonora was like 40 minutes away in the next mountain range, I guess you can call it, um, over in this, uh, I think it was Calaveras County. And there I met a bunch of like punks and skins and everything, um, and that were legit, and they weren't sketchy, you know, they weren't Nazis or anything like that, because yeah. um, there was a bunch of that up in the mountains like that's where everybody goes to hide you know um and those are like the tweakers that literally can't fucking get jobs and stuff like that you know what okay. i mean um so they're the ones that are hiding out like they have no form of connection to society in any positive manner so they just go up in the mountains and hide so like it was pretty cool we didn't really have a whole lot of run-ins and stuff like that um but the connection that i had with those people and my friends um, they're the ones that showed me everything. It was when I was 16 that I shaved in, um, I'd gone to a show and a couple of buddies were like, Hey man, you've been hanging around for a while. Like, and you've been showing up and, you know, coming around and we really like, you, you know, um, it would be tight if you like wanted to be a part of something more. And I was like, yeah, dude, um, I'm totally down. And 16 year old me was like very raw and into it. And I didn't know everything about it. So like after that point in time, I kind of just hung out with everybody even more. So um, going to more shows and kind of understanding how everything went in that realm. So like um, our area was like four hours away from the Bay area okay. with traffic. So we would go to like Gilman um, we would go to shows in Frisco and Berkeley, um, all over the place in the Bay area, just cause that was the nearest place. Sacramento was cool for a little bit, but like that whole town has had like a fluctuation of hardcore punk and oi shows, you know, it's just something that's been really hard for that town to like grasp and hold on to. But, um, we started going to shows and stuff. And then one day we were going to my buddy's house and, um, they had asked if I liked hanging out with them and everything, if they liked how everything went. And they said I was down for a lot, you know, like I was willing to step up and voice things when I saw things were not right, you know, um, just situational. If we were out in public and someone blurted off some racial slurs, you know, like I was always zero sixty in fight mode, <laughs> but um, he had handed me a record. We were hanging out at his house. He was like, this is the, album that started everything for me um and it tripped me out now later on 
when I figured out like and did my homework about the band, um, Seven Seconds, Skins, Guts and Glory, Seven Inch okay. came out on my birthday on the year that I was born. So it was really trippy to like now know of like this record that started everything for me about being an anti-racist skinhead. Um, it was just a trip how the record came out on my birthday. <laughs> All these people were Crazy. my friends and I was willing to do whatever we needed to do and just hang out, you know, and have fun. And it kind of just morphed from that and there, you know, like time and life. I don't talk to any of those people anymore just because of moves and stuff like that, that I've had and change of, life you know like moving around a lot and you just kind of lose yeah. touch with people it'd be cool to like get in touch with those people again but i mean maybe one day social media does some great things with reconnecting people but yeah absolutely so that yeah. was your your introduction into the um well the into the i call it sharp scene on do you call it yeah, scene? Yeah. so maybe yeah, can yeah. you explain it's, it's, like, culture and it's all pretty much all the same thing yeah maybe can explain to the listeners um sharp okay um sharp is something that's been around for a while uh it's it used to be a lot different than what it is now um they were usually the one thing that hasn't changed i should say is we are a different breed of skinheads um, within the subculture, sharp meaning skinheads against racial prejudice. I mean, yeah. that's a given. Um, anybody who's a part of the subculture worldwide knows that a skinhead is something that started back in the sixties, you know, um, from black Jamaican working class people that moved from different part of the world over to England and it kind of just took off from there, you know, so nothing about the subculture has ever been racist and, or any form of hate coming from the subculture itself. Um, and so back in the day, I think in the nineties, it was just a really, it was a weird time, you know, like there was a lot of sketchy things that people were into that maybe wouldn't be acceptable now um being the pc culture that everyone's kind of taken on for all the right reasons obviously but like um a lot of the older bands from back in the 90s would vocalize topics of like um the war with eastern countries you know um and talking about dropping bombs and kind of having a different outlook on life and that's just periodical times you know like things change and i get that i think everybody understands that you know in the 90s were just a weird time but um sharp has always kind of been a step aside from the subculture um usually the people that are willing to throw down anywhere you know um it's not about just dressing nice and looking smart you know um and being into the music scene obviously like everybody should be against racism um, as far as anyone's concerned when it comes to being in the subculture. But um, I think Sharp has always been kind of stigmatized as a portion of the subculture where people just don't have tolerance for your shit. Um, your hate is not welcomed anywhere near me or my community, you know? Um, and it's just something that not everybody is obviously a fighter. There's people around the world that consider themselves Sharp that either aren't just able-bodied to do so 
Um, not saying that violence is always the answer, obviously, but like sometimes you just have to be ready for that um, type of situation to come up, you know? Um, and there's people all across the board, you know? Um, but it's a really cool aspect of everything just because with society's views as to like the subculture and everything that we're a part of um nazis and boneheads have always taken on the limelight based off of their shit actions that they've done with killing people hurting people blowing shit up um so on and so forth you know and society has kind of taken the term skinhead yeah and forced thing and just kind of took it and plastered it you know and it's really unfortunate because the media has always done its part to show its true colors of just being ill-informed and not willing to do the homework that's necessary to like, yeah. obviously make everyone, everyone is accountable for accounted for. I don't know. Um, but sharp, especially nowadays with the climate of the world and everything um, with the black lives matter movement going on um, indigenous people's movements um, and all over the world, like everything that's going on right now and how raw everybody's feelings are, everybody's connection to one another is, and how intense the political side of the world is, um, Sharp is a good way for people like myself and people that are in AMS and all around the world that are taking on Sharp as to, it's like an easier way for them to correlate with people and show them that they're there for their community not everybody who is wearing braces and boots is a racist, like how everyone has been portrayed as, you know? Yeah. Um, in the small town, in the small amount of time that I've lived here in Portland, um, just having the connections of friends that I've had, um, just being a part of a lot of different things has opened up a huge window to like meet new people, get connected with my community. Um, trying to help out in any way that I can. Um, if I hear of anything going on, I try to at least have some knowledge about it, um, whether it be good or bad, you know what I mean? Um, and, and, and I'm not saying like I'm a nosy person whatsoever, but like our group of friends are really tight knit and we are super connected here. Um, I'm sure like every other scene and connection and community in every other part of the world is, um, we just take care of this town as best as possible. You know, there's a lot of people here from a lot of different backgrounds and Portland has always been a hub for skinhead subculture. Um, really from back. Yeah. It's a huge thing. If you look up, um, you can Google it and there's a bunch of stories from things that have happened. Oh, wow. uh, skinhead subculture has always been a hub here in Portland and it's super intense and, the town definitely upholds everything about the stories that have come out of it. You know, um, the people here that have been holding it down for years and fighting boneheads has, is just the most insane. So like there's times where those people are reconnecting in the community, you know, with everything going on. Um, and it's really cool to like either go to the events and see those people speak or just see them around town within their community or see everything that they're posting on their social media about what they're doing for their community, you know? So it's really cool to like see that unfold daily um, of how Portland has held itself up throughout all the 
craziness that it's had to go through throughout the years. Yeah, I, I, like you said, the I think especially uh, the '90s, like uh, back here in Germany. I don't know. You can ask your your friend if she remembers um, the riots in in the northern part of Germany of uh, Rostock, like where um, I think a lot of Germans and also a lot of uh, well Nazis were um, they were attacking that refugee home where a lot of um, people from I think Vietnam where we're living or something so i, I yeah. think until until now the the um the image that people have of the of a skinhead is like or like a of a nazi let, let's say of a nazi is like that the bald head boots and that military jacket like until today that's like yeah. the cliche image that they people have with having no idea where this the subculture actually comes from And, yeah, um, I don't know why, but it's until now, like I said, yeah, probably you're right. The media just, um, if you see any documentary, um, that's the classical image uh, of, of a neo-Nazi that you see is like boots, bald head, and uh, that army jacket or whatever they're wearing. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty trippy. And like here in Portland, if you are part of the subculture, like um, on our side, obviously, if you're sharp or skinhead, like you do not wear bomber jackets. That's just a thing here. Um, just because back in the 90s, it was how it was like a staple for uh, Nazis and boneheads, you know, yeah. and whatnot. And even now there's a bunch of weird stuff like I wear shirts, everybody here that is a part of the subculture and the community um, that wear anything from Fred Perry or any yeah. band t-shirt or band logo that has a laurel wreath on it. Like I've gotten checked by people on the same side as me. And it's just like, if you don't know what the symbol stands for and where it came from, you should just go home, not be here covered in plastic and go home and do some homework. You know what I mean? And it's, it's a weird thing even wearing my sharp shirt when I've gone into town and people like come up to me and they're like, Hey, you like call me a Nazi and stuff. And like people come up to you and kudos to them for like stepping up, you know, but like it's really intense and hard for people to see that image. Yeah. And I'm like, you can read hoodie. Like it's, it's clearly written on my hoodie of like <laughs> what I'm a, and people are still like, okay, well I still want to be mad at you type of a thing, you know? And it's just yeah, really weird. Confused but, somehow. Regardless, it's like what I signed up for when I was 16 years old. Um, and everybody, you know, whenever it, whenever people have taken on being a skin or being sharp, you know, um, whether it be two weeks ago, two months ago, it doesn't matter. Like you sign up for it and it's just part of the territory. You know, it's just, you got to welcome it and try to help educate people. That's what it's really all about. Yeah, absolutely. I know I remember that story. Like there was that guy in my school. Um, who introduced me actually to the, well, to the, um, how do you say, to the word or to the meaning of sharp, like so he yeah. was like really into that sixty spirit of um, being a skinhead and all that music that came from England back then and reggae and what whatever, and yeah. so sometimes we met at the bus station like waiting for a bus ride home. And so he was standing there with his with his shaved head and his boots on, and uh, like real people were th were thinking he was I don't know just um, 
trying to attack me or something because i mean they saw him and then they saw me with you know dark skin black hair so uh, yeah like always like hey, are you okay and so what was he talking about like do we're friends like we're just actually just made a date for maybe just meet up for a beer like uh yeah it's a big deal in today so on the weekend so whatever so it's always the, i mean it was a good thing to explain them uh where where the skinhead culture actually came from like yeah so but that always caused a lot of confusion so it was kind of funny actually yeah it's really funny when you and your friends are hanging out and then that stuff comes up and when you're out in public and things happen you know and people get ruffled up for the wrong reasons and you go like look at your friends and you're like we're getting we're getting called a bunch of things that we're standing against you know what i mean it's really funny sometimes yeah i mean the funny thing is also like when uh, i remember like when he was um i don't know he got out of a bar like real real drunk and uh yeah there was um uh, there were some nazis like like approaching him like like hey man and thought that he's he's one of them and he had just yeah i don't know he was hardly he can hardly speak but all he could say was like just go fuck yourself man like yeah so that confused yeah, as well I'm up every so how do you get okay so you're that's how you're you got into the to the skinhead and sharp scene yeah and um i mean you're like vegan straight edge sharp so let's talk about the vegan vegan and straight edge thing yeah sounds good man i uh when i was 16 and had that whole world come about it had, i was partying i started partying when i was really young um yeah. i saw my dad doing it and i saw my grandpa and those were like my sure my i you know they were like my heroes and uh i think it was i was 17 turning 18 it was on my 18th birthday that i claimed um straight edge and I had met a bunch of people and at that point in time I was hanging out with them more just because I was realizing that I was partying and I was working a lot, you know, I was going to school and then when I wasn't at school, I was working. And when I wasn't working, I was hanging out with my friends and playing music and stuff. And, uh, I just kind of correlated myself and like submerged myself with everybody that was straight edge. And I saw these people put nexus on their hands at shows and, I didn't jump onto it right away. You know, I'd seen them do it for a while. And I was just, whatever, I'm doing my own thing. They're doing theirs, you know? Yeah. Um, and I just started hanging out with them more and more and more, you know, and realizing that like, there's a stigma to that too. There's the here in like in the States and California and Nevada, uh, there's like this huge stipulation that straight edge people are assholes. Um, And it wasn't necessarily like hardline or anything like that, but the people in Reno, the hockey mask crew, that was always like a stipulation that people had or just people in general being straight edge and being like, fuck you, you can't smoke around me. You can't drink around me, so on and so forth. Like that was like a huge thing. And I put all that into context for myself when I was thinking about taking it on, you know, it's like, do I really want to be a part of something that doesn't have a huge solid positive recognition right off the bat, you know? Um, but then I obviously hung out with the right people, um, that had nothing to do with that. And that was just like a weird group of people that had parent issues, you know, and we needed to go to shows and hurt people. And like, it was just really weird. But, um, I took it on 
on my 18th birthday, I finally like sat down and thought about it. I had stopped drinking for, I think that was almost a year and a half after I'd quit drinking. Um, and I'd smoked weed a handful of times, you know, when I was young yeah. and I would always throw up. I don't know if I was allergic to it or what the deal was, or if I was just tripping really hard <laughs> dude, <laughs> and I, I just couldn't the, handle it. Like, you know what, dude, I give up and I throw up. Yeah. Man. And same but, with uh, me. Same here. Like, oh, really? Yeah. I don't know why. So after that, I like, I tried weed once and I don't know what it was, whatever. I just had to throw up all night and I don't know, just yelling and telling the people just to stop the music and then we're like dude there's no music playing like so after that i found out okay so <laughs> no weed for me thank you yeah no thanks tom hanks um yeah so i took that on and it just became my life like i started looking up bands and i, I was born in 1989 so even though it was like right on the cusp obviously and i was at the later end of it for some reason i've always been I've always felt like a magnetic pull for being into the, like the older bands from back in the eighties and stuff. So, um, straight ahead has always been my favorite straight edge band. And they were like a crossover between like New York hardcore and like youth crew, you know? Um, but that band is always, there's something about his lyrics, Tommy Darl. He was like on point with where he was coming from, um, with writing his lyrics about his, friends and the community that they had within their hardcore scene you know and he was about it it was just really cool to like see that in my later years way longer after that record had come out from that band you know and like seeing about you know how they thought and how they felt about being straight edge and, and being in the hardcore scene is how i feel about it now you know and it was just really trippy And then a couple years later, followed a suit I took on being vegan. Um, I it took a while to like understand and get the concept. But even as a kid, I remember my dad and my mom cooking dinner all the time, and um, every single night it had to be have like we had to have something dinner with dinner that correlated with eating meat or steaks pork chops you know like a bunch yeah. of all that stuff and i remember as a kid being like can we just like have one night to where we don't have any meat like that would be fucking awesome <laughs> and it just kind of was a thing and i didn't take it on until much later you know in my life um but i it was something that i had seen not only just because of the fact that i got tired of it but seeing over the time frame of my life, how animals have been treated um, and correlating that with a bunch of other things, you know, um, it's just a really trippy way that some people get pulled towards it. Some people don't, it's just how it is, you know, but for myself, um, it was a friend of mine, Susie, who helped me see the reality of things. And she took it on when she was a lot younger and just seeing how she felt about it and talking with her about veganism, you know, um, and about animals and how they're treated, whether it be slaughterhouses, domesticated animals, um, so on and so forth. It was really cool to like see that knowledge in somebody else's life that they have taken it on for a very long time. And then to take it upon in my own life 
later on and seeing the progression of like it only took me like a week or two to like make the transformation but it's just like a huge huge part of my life now like that is like my first and foremost thing that I always think about animal animals are always on my mind first and foremost before humans um, I've had a couple of different incidences in my life to where I seen people like humans and their true colors when it comes to the naivety of thinking that animals are lower than us, you know? Um, and I've devoted my life since that moment that I took it on to help animals, whether it be big or small, big or large, you know, it's just something that's always been there for me. So you just skipped actually the, that transition of being vegetarian, just went right into being yeah, vegan. Yeah. One of the things that I noticed right off the bat, like I had seen it for years and like youth of today, there's a bunch of other bands that promote vegetarianism and that's cool and all, but like you're still contributing to the thousands and millions upon trillions, billions, whatever you want to use for yeah. the numbers um, of animals that are still killed. Like you're not eating meat, cool, good for you, but you're still buying cheese. You're still buying milk. And those things are still killing those animals, whether you think it is or not, you can believe whatever you want. Vegetarianism is still the lesser cause, but still a cause for animals dying daily, you know? Um, and I learned that from seeing people, man, I just really, I want to go vegan and da, 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 but I, I just can't, can't let cheese. go cheat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's just like, that's cool and all, but it's not about you and your taste buds. It's about being selfless and understanding that there's living beings out there that don't want to die for your taste buds to give you some endorphins in your brain to be like, mm -hmm, that was a really good meal. I'm so glad that I had that cheese with my rabbit from whole foods. You know, it's just like, it's really insane how people have been socially conditioned to take that on in their life so hard that they're not willing to let go of it just because of the fact that they think it tastes good. You know what I mean? Like, it's just so weird to me. They even have that concept, but sorry, kind of shot off from that question, but no, I did not take on vegetarianism um, just because you're still hurting animals, you know? And like, for me, I'm a extremist when it comes down to everything that I'm in. Um, so if I was going to do it, I was going to do it right. You know, um, I wasn't going to be a part of that community that is egotistical about you thinking that you're helping animals, but you're really not. <laughs> so I just had nothing to want to do with that, you know, um, listening and getting introductions to, uh, the bands from the nineties and early two thousands, like earth crisis, uh, green rage, uprising statement, all those bands that I liked back in the, from the eighties, you know, um, and just kind of doing my homework over time and seeing those bands, uh, whether it be like zines and stuff that I read online, because at that time everything was already pushed out and put online. Um, but also just being connected to other people that were vegan straight edge, you know, and listening to them, taking recommendations, like here's this cool record, here's some stickers, here's this patch, you know, and patches have band names. And maybe if I didn't know it right off the bat and I got it in like a care package or something, I was just like, Oh man, got to check that band out, you know? 
but um it was just something that really hit home for me and i had a bunch of incidences since i've taken on vegan straight edge that really hit home with me and showed me that these convictions that i uphold is the way that i was supposed to live my life you know what what what, what, what happened what happened this uh the one that really hit home for me was really intense um might drag on a little bit so i apologize but um i was driving home from seeing my mom at work and this is when i was still living in california and um, I was seeing her just cause I hadn't seen her for a while and we had hung out and gone to lunch and whatnot. And then I was driving back to my place, but I needed to stop by my parents' house to grab some, I can't remember what that was, but I was driving in between Stockton and Lake Comanche where we were living at the time. And there's this road, Jacktone road that goes through all the agricultural, um, valley that where they grow a bunch of vegetables and stuff. There's unfortunately a bunch of slaughterhouses out there because that's where they put all that stuff is in low income areas you know but um it was pouring heavily um it was a really huge storm that kind of just rolled through but i was on jack tone and i was coming up to the stop sign and there was a car in front of me and they kept bre- like pressing on their brakes a lot and it was just really trippy i uh, I was kind of confused at what was going on, you know, and I was going to try to pass and go around. And then out of the corner of my windshield and my vision that I had, um, the car had sped up and I saw this pit bull and it was running along the side of the road mm-hmm. over by this crop. Um, and we were coming up to this small little town off of Jacktone called College Town. And there's nothing there but like a small elementary school, a slaughterhouse, um, some houses where people probably worked at next to the slaughterhouse a gas station and there's like a little cemetery and then where i was coming up to there was um a railroad yard to where they like brought in all the vegetables and put it on the trains and like transferred it throughout the state you know um but i'd saw the dog running around seemed super scared so i was like oh that's probably why they slowed down they just he was probably getting close to the road yeah and so they kept pressing on the brakes and being cautious you know so I thought they were going to stop. They didn't. Um, I was like 20, 30 feet from the animal and seeing that he was, he, yeah, it was a, he, um, seeing that he was really scared, super emaciated. And so uh, since they didn't pull over, I did. Um, and it was just really random. I put on my raincoat and I got outside and I was on the backside of my vehicle, my truck that I had at the time. And, I was trying to get him to come near me. I had some snacks and some chips with me in the truck. So I grabbed those and he was still kind of skittish, but staying somewhat close to me, even though he was like 15, 20 feet. And I threw some chips out. He grabbed a couple, but then got skittish and ran off. And then he ended up coming near me and I got him to come closer. And um, sorry, if I get teary, I'd, and shaky i apologize but don't worry he came in it was about like 10 feet that he got that was like the closest that he got and we ended up kind of shifting to where i was next to the road my foot was on the white line you know um on the pavement and a train had come by and honked its horn it freaked him out 
And I don't know why they didn't stop. I don't know why they didn't see him. And it was pouring rain. Like, it was so insane. You couldn't see. I had my windshield wipers on full blast, and you still couldn't tell what was Mm -hmm. in front of you, you know? So, I mean, there's that concept, but, like, or aspect, I should say. Um, But the train honked its horn, and the dog ran forward towards me, but also at an angle to where he was like five feet away from me. Like literally I could have grabbed him, you know, and he went out in the road and this car just did not stop. And I don't know why they didn't see it. I was yelling. I was like waving my hands. And then I knelt down right before they got super close. And that dog locked Mm -hmm. its eyes with me. And like we locked eyesight and they hit him. I was so close to the road that after they had hit him, his body and blood and everything from him hit me. And so it knocked me down and I'm just laying there in the pouring rain out on the road in the middle of nowhere in the valley with this animal's body on me and its blood, you know, and I sat there for like 20 seconds or some odd amount of time and I just took it in I I wasn't crying I was just kind of speechless you know and the car just kept driving there's plastic everywhere from their bumper being destroyed and I got up after a couple of minutes of just laying there on the side of the road with this dog on me and I picked him up and gently set him down and then I saw that they had driven down like another mile and so I got up and just started screaming at them even though they couldn't hear me and I saw their brake lights come on and then they turned around and came up and I was just kind of sitting there staring at the dog as they were pulled up after pulling a U-turn and the gentleman had his window down because he was probably going to talk to me about whatever had just happened, you know? Um, and I heard them complaining about their car and it was at that moment that I just, lost my shit i fucking ran across the road and i he was about to open up his door he like had it opened and i just kicked it shut and i was like if you aren't gonna understand and take in the life that you just lost like the life that you just took and you're just gonna complain about your car you need to get out of here before i hurt you and they're like was that your dog is like it doesn't matter whose fucking dog it was you just took a life and you have no recollection you have no care in the world about it it's just about your car and your vehicle your metal and your plastic um and it really just that was what set my tone for always thinking about animals first humans second like obviously i care about people um and we all do our part to like try to hold on to humanity you know but like that moment it took a notch down in my book of like cool (laughs) you know like humans just don't have a care in the world when it comes to animals you know some of us do and some people say that they love animals but yet they buy leather bags they buy leather shoes they don't look and see if it's got the insignia on the little tag inside their shoe where it looks like a uh i don't know the skin of an animal you know all that stuff is there and prevalent for people to pay attention to, but nobody chooses to do that, you know, and, um, in normal society, it's just one of those things. But that was a, that was the hugest part for me that made it a staple in my life and like changed my mindset, you know? Yeah. Um, and it is very cynical 
And it's very sad that that was what needed to happen in my life for me to see the reality of things. But, um, it was just really intense to like have that situation happen. So after they had taken off, I had a little, um, towel that I had in my truck and I had some pieces of wood in the back of it. So I had some weird random twine in my truck. So I taped, not taped, but I wrapped the twine around the pieces of wood that I had. And then I put a piece of cardboard that I have from a soda box or something like cans of sodas, whatever. And I always have a Sharpie on me. So I had a Sharpie on there and I just wrote the date that that happened. And on top of it, I put respect existence or expect resistance. It's kind of just something that I've always resonated with, with um, humans and animals. And so I just left that there and I covered him um, with a towel that I had just because it's all that I had. And I didn't want him to have to sit there in the cold, you know, even though he had passed away, it was just something that I wanted to do for him because he needed to stay. But yeah, that was the moment that kind of changed everything for me. Wow. So how many years those ago now? Uh, That was in 2000 and. I think that was 2016. Yeah. I think that's when that happened. Um, and before that, you know, like I was vegan and trying every vegan food spot and I was trying to be more positive about it and not so intense about my convictions, you know, um, definitely after that point, I was just like, Nope, sorry. Like I stopped eating at restaurants that, um, had vegan options, but weren't fully vegan. Like I try my best now to make that happen. You know, I either cook at home or I only support restaurants that don't take on lives of animals, you know? Yeah. I mean, this was five years ago. No, I mean, okay. So the the people you're listening now can't see, but I can see how this, even it's like five years ago or four, four to five years ago, how it still moves you. It's just uh, insane to see actually. So, yeah, yeah, it's really intense. And like, it changed me, not even just a memory that I have, you know, of what happened, but it definitely changed my ideals Yeah, and so changed me as a person. Definitely had an, had an impact on you. Yeah. It was pretty crazy. So, but I mean, yeah. from there, it helped me see that I can help a lot of animals. Um, when I lived in Sacramento, um, with my ex-wife we uh took in a bunch of animals like whenever we could and if we ever came that needed a home um we took them on we had a corgi um we had rory and kira gnarly we took on a small i think she was like two month old pit bull blue nose that was really cool we took on some rats that some lady was um, holding on to in her backyard to like make her her own strain of breed of rat. And I was like, Nope, I'm going to take those. <laughs> you don't get to do that to them, you know? Um, but it was really cool. We got to like rehabilitate all those animals that needed to find homes. So we did that. So it was really cool to like have that aspect, um, kind of come to life. You know, um, I've saved a couple of deer when I had lived in California, right before I moved up here where I lived was, uh, in the higher elevations. So like there's deer around all over. Um, and it just was opportunities that came up, you know, so it was really cool to like 
trigger me to, you know what, I need to amp myself up, you know, I need to better myself and go out there and actually help save animals, you know? So awesome. It was something that I took on. And when did you came up with the idea of doing the, um, that magazine? I have had that as a brain, like brainchild, I guess. Well, I guess that would be me, but it was an idea that I had, um, for years now. I have always wanted, I had a bunch of like straight edge bands and youth crew bands and stuff, um, in 2010 to 2013. Um, and that was cool and all, but I never had, uh, a vegan straight edge band and I've always wanted to, I just could never find people that held those same convictions, you know, um, it just wasn't for them or they just aren't in that point in their life to where they can have that realm of compassion, you know? Um, and it was something that I always wanted to do. And because of the fact that my life had kind of given me an open pocket to where I had a large amount of time recently, I was like, you know what, I'm just going to jump on it. Like now's the time I've always like come up with reasons to not, or I just hadn't pushed it out there yet. You know, I've always done demos by myself. Um, people have always helped, you know, but I've had screenings. Um, we had this one when I was living in Sacramento, um, my buddies Keegan and Kyle, they had this vegan acoustic straight edge band called true nature. And I'd come across them years ago and just with people that I was connected with in Santa Cruz, we had a demo down there. And then after that, I was like, you know, I'd really like to do another one of these. It seemed to be very positive. It, it like brought people out. We had like a huge potluck, which is pretty cool. Um, and we had a screening of cowspiracy that's right when that came out mm -hmm. and i had a, speakers i had vendors come out to my house um and we had a, there was a good turnout like there wasn't a lot of people but it brought like a huge vegan community together and i still have friends that got that i had just because they came over to my house that night you know um it was a really cool experience and so i've always kind of done stuff and i've never been able to have the capability of time frame to actually put forth the energy to making the zine. And I was like, you know what, now's the time to do it. I have the time on my hands. I've got a good enough computer that can take care of all the stuff I need to take care of, you know, and um, it's a really good way to like bring everybody together. For me with NX Defense, I wanted to have a zine that was the intensity of all these vegan straight edge bands, but put it on paper and wake people up. Um, on top of that, because of COVID-19 and the virus that we're all having to deal with and the pandemic going on, um, I wanted a way to connect everybody since we aren't able to go to shows, we aren't able to go to record stores a whole lot. Yeah. We can't do this. We were like normal, not normal, but that we are used to doing, you know, and I wanted a way to connect everybody still, even though that's something that we can't really do. And so my plan with that was to do all the present bands and then kind of work my way back once I've hit all the bands that I can get a hold of that would like to be a part of it, you know, just to get them some free recognition um, and kind of push them out. And it's not like a normal zine that everyone's been used to where people ask generic ask questions like, and I'm not 
bad mouthing other zines. It's just a different way to grow. Like I literally, it takes a while for me to get to them. Like I just put in my questions to red bait. Um, and it took me like a month and a okay. half to write out the question is I don't want to sit here and rush it and then make it seem like this cut and paste copy form of a zine, you know, like I legitimately care. I want to know what it's like where they live within their hardcore community and their music scene. I want to know what kind of gear they use. I care about all that stuff. Like, what are you doing within your own community? You know? Um, so it takes me a while to get all of it out there. Um, and I've got my own personal stuff going on. Like I'm about to move. So I've got a bunch of stuff on my plate, but it is like a therapeutic thing for me. So even though it takes a while, I plan to get all the current vegan straight edge bands and then go and work my way into the past if I can get contacts for all those folks. But um, on top of that, I wanted a way to connect and help small businesses here in town that take on not using any animal products. So fully vegan restaurants and small businesses here in town. I have gotten a bunch of like uh, business cards or like little pamphlets from them just showing the whether they've got a sale going on or whatever so that I can put that in my magazine nice. um, just to help them right now. Like all the small businesses are like f failing and it's just because of the economical state that we're all in because of the pandemic, you know? So it's a good way to connect the community. It's a good way to get small businesses that are vegan and fully vegan uh, recognition to where people that when everything does open, people can go out and, Oh yeah. I remember that zine that I found there's this article or there's this little blurb or a business card of this business that's vegan and they have bags in there or they have shoes and I, we should go check that out, you know? So it'll be something for everyone to connect with once everything's all back to normal. So, um, I mean, I recognized you through the Instagram account that you, yeah. that you're doing. So I, I just saw the pictures you were posting and like, Oh yeah, that's kind of cool. I think I will, I think I'll just write him, ask him if he wants to be on a pot. So um, yeah. If you're looking for vegan straight edge bands, um, how can how can they get in touch with you? Like through the account or just an email or? Yeah, I mean, if you, I mean, I love talking with people and you know being connected with people. So whether it be there, um, that'd probably be the best bet, and just hit me up. You know, um, we can always talk about bands. We could talk about food. Um, I like focusing on the animals more so i mean feel free to reach out and if there's people that have ideas or different things that they would like to pitch to like have in the zine i'm totally open to suggestions just because i don't want it to be the same as everybody else you know like it's not just about the bands it's about the animals that's why we're vegan that's why we take on being vegan straight edge because we don't smoke we don't drink all those things are tested on animals so you know it's just one of those things that um, should connect all of us, you know, so feel free to reach out, you know, um, we can always talk about bands. We can talk about everything. Nice. Awesome. So whoever is listening or just maybe the, the guys from aim that I had last time on the pod. Um, so if, yeah, I'll, I think I'll put your, your contact somehow, the Instagram page on, on the show notes. So whoever wants to get in touch with you, just feel free. Yeah, definitely. That sounds good, man. That's cool. So it's called, yeah, the magazine is called In in Defense. Yeah, NX Defense. I just put the X in there just because sure. it's fun. Uh, got a little ring to it. Um, 
and it just signifies that it is a straight edge magazine and then um well vegan straight edge but um it's just there to signify like what i'm about and what it's about you know and it's it's about waking people up and a lot of the stuff i put on there is pretty intense like i've only had one post taken down (laughs) uh it was about that yeah that guy the father that shot his son while they were deer hunting because he thought his son was a deer and i posted pictures of it and like that's cool and all you can get offended by that if you want oh yeah i think i remember this yeah what's that i think i still remember this post yeah yeah it's really it was pretty gnarly but like it's reality if you're a hunter you suck you should stop hunting your ways are and traditions are not necessary anymore you know and so i just don't have any remorse for those people like if they change which is very rare that people that hunt change to like see the reality of what they're doing um but i'm not sorry and i don't apologize <laughs> great um yeah, I think so. There was there's only um, there's only a printed version, or do you think of doing like an online online version of it as well? Yeah, I think for right now I'm just gonna do paperback, um, and then eventually down the line, once I have more of a stable flow of things, like I'd like to get at least three of them out before I start doing like interviews vocally, like verbally. You know, that'd be kind of cool. I'd like to do that. That's definitely in my scope, but just right now I don't have the necessary um, components to put that all in together. You know, like I have a little 24 track mixer that I can use and I have some microphones, but um, I don't want to rush into things. I really yeah. like taking my time and I like doing things right. And I don't like rushing things cause that's just sloppy and it comes out poorly. Um, and I'm here to make a difference and I'm here to wake people up there's vegan straight edge people that still wear Nike products. And it's just like, you're wearing leather, you're wearing stuff that's made by sweatshops, you know, like wake up. Um, there's people that are straight edge that have been vaping. That's like a new thing that I've heard of. And not that it happens everywhere, but that's complete and utter bullshit. Like I'm here to wake up to like piss people off by telling them the truth. Cause I'm not going to hold back. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, and they can think whatever they want. It's just on top of waking people up, obviously, and promoting the reality and the truth that in the world that we live in, it's therapeutic for me. It's a way for me to vent. Like, obviously, I'm not an asshole all the fucking time about things. Like, you just can't be that way. I have friends that eat meat and stuff, and they're my brothers and my sisters, you know. Um, but it's a way for me to vent about my beliefs and where I stand against the world and against the traditions and the conditioning that we've all been suffered. You know, um, it's just something that helps me on top of the fact that it might help other people, but it's helping the animals, which is the end goal. I mean, that is for me, that's just a great example to see that being straight edge is not only about don't drink, don't smoke and don't do drugs, but having this, well, this idea as a foundation to do, well, to create something positive. So I think that's what you're doing. I think I think you're doing a great job, and I think uh, well, just all the best, and hope. Uh, very excited to see um, well the first, uh, your first magazine when it comes out. Yeah, it's going to take some time. Like the bands, like everybody's going through their stuff, you know. So it's going to take a while for 
the bands that I have hit up to like get back to me. And that's cool and all. I get it. We all have time contingencies, you know, and we got stuff going on. So it'll take some time. But once it does come out, um, I plan to get it everywhere. Like I've got a huge connection with a place that'll print as many as I need, as many as I want. Wow. Um, I'm probably going to, I have shirts coming. I have buttons, all that stuff. I'll have ways to like represent everything, whether you're walking out, going to the grocery store, be able to print out tote bags and stuff. Um, and on top of the zine, like I'm using it as a tool to reach out. Like I have a group of people that I'm trying to get connected with to like have this be an outreach. It's not direct action everywhere. It's not any other group. It's NX defense. And like, I, plan to like set up a booth and tables and stuff in public and just kind of go out on the streets and like wake people up um use screens on laptops to like play videos of slaughterhouses just to like make sure people understand and realize what's going on while you're getting your mocha frappuccino from starbucks whatever you know like um i plan to like take this to a different level of being like a trifecta of a zine uh, outreach program and also later on down the line i'd like to either have like a spoken word type deal but like bring it alive musically as well um with all the same name i have a copy written so i just want to like take it on all fronts you know and be everything that i've wanted it to be awesome yeah i'm i'm really looking yeah. forward to see this so yeah. um Fun. i think that's uh i think we reached the end of the rope today Yeah, definitely. I really appreciate the opportunity, man. Like this connection is super cool. I really appreciate it. Hey, thanks for doing this. Um, yeah, I'm. I think yeah, I I wrote you before already. Just uh, I'm asking my guests for a song that I can put on my Spotify playlist. Yeah, definitely. Um, I was thinking about it, and when you mentioned that, I uh, I literally just sat down for like 10 minutes and just thought about something. The song Override from Blitz, it's just an instrumental, but it really hits home. There's no lyrics in it. There's no words. And so for everybody listening, I think it would be super important with all the stuff that's going on, whether you got stress about life, you've had family members pass away, you've had animals, aka family members pass away, you got stress from school, work, no matter what's going on in life, play this song and just close your eyes. And just take a moment to let go and yell if you need to, scream, let everything out. There's so much tension and so much shit going on in the world right now. And this song really does help. Um, it helps me whenever I need it. I just turn it on and just kind of let loose. But that song really can help a lot of people, you know. It's instrumental songs are just in general are a good thing. Uh, I, will, I will, Yeah, we'll give it a listen just when we're uh, done here. So I will put on the list um, clear cut with um, I see a light. So which is clear cut is like probably one of my favorite bands. So I, do, oh. you, do you know them? Yeah, I've heard of them. Yeah. Yeah, I think I've, I think they are about to record a new album. I think oh, okay. I saw something like this. So yeah, I will That's put awesome. this on the playlist. Cool. All right, man. Um, Hey, thanks for doing this. Thank you for your time. And uh, yeah, thank you. Good luck for your magazine. Yeah, I appreciate it, man. And for everybody else, say thanks for listening. This was the Hold Your Ground podcast. 
and I will put the links down on the show notes. Uh, yeah, that's it. Thanks for listening and hold your ground. Bye bye.